This is Shaka Wart Speak. Finish your thought, Carrie. Yeah. Hey, we're back. Shaka Wart Speak. Welcome back. And we started talking, so we're just going to jump you right in. So here we go. Yep. Yeah, so the thing from 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 last week when we were talking is, is thinking about uh, who humans are and what humans do, right? So I had made the the comment uh, calling a human on the other side of the advertising process a consumer. Mm-hmm. And you made the great point that that dehumanizes a person because it limits them to that particular activity. So it's more of a verb. Mm-hmm. Somebody consumes, they're not a consumer. And so thinking through the lens of what is this process that we're engaging in mm-hmm. from an integrated marketing standpoint, starting with research and strategy, moving through creative moving into production, shipping assets, trafficking assets, putting them out into the world, all managed by client services, which is a human on the agency side, uh, mediating that process using tools and technologies that humans are using to work with other humans to sell to other humans, right? And so it's it's almost impossible to have the conversation about uh, AI as it integrates into the advertising process because the advertising process is very much a human process mm-hmm. because everybody that's engaged in it is, is a human. Yeah. It's human mm-hmm. to human all right. the way through top to bottom. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I, I was just struck by that, by yeah. the idea of consumption as a verb, not a noun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's interesting. I mean, and it's not that, you know, it, you can colloquial like it's a consumer, but it's, it's the way that these become, um, so fixed in our minds yeah. that they do narrow your conception of that. And you start to run, um, you, you ride the, the process devoid of the person. You know, that, that's what happens in upper administration. Everybody becomes a number at some point. Mm-hmm. Anybody in their right mind knows you're talking about real people, but when you sit up there for too long, never interacting with people, it's just decisions. There's no resistance. There's no human, Cause we're, you know. We're kind of talking about the idea of <clears throat> professional abstraction. You know, like there's like within any field as you're focusing in on the tasks that you do within that field, there's certain ways that you start talking about a human, a full human being as a consumer, which is a professional abstraction that's connected to what you do um, to create those advertisements to connect people with certain products. Um, and you could say the same if I call someone a musician and I'm working in you know classical music world, you know that's a narrowing. They're not only a musician. But they they are doing that, and if I'm you know um, a producer who's trying to put on a big classical music show, and I'm trying to uh, you know find an orchestra or something like that, there's certain ways that we cut out information that we consider irrelevant, so we can focus in to do our professional task. So I feel like what you're talking about is how do you balance that professional abstraction, understanding you know the consumer without obliterating the humanity totally or getting so stuck in the professional abstraction that you lose your grounding to the real world and the effects that can occur when you lose the connection to the real world mm-hmm. which means you start you know like for an ad agency you lose the connection with the idea that you are doing something that affects real human beings and suddenly you're just thinking purely in terms of profit, purely in terms of uh, manipulating people's buying habits through images and sounds and stories mm-hmm. um, with no question of like, what is good for people or yeah, what is good for this group of people that I'm trying that's to That's what we talked with. about last episode, morals and ethics. Or, exactly. It's all, like, it's all hey, we want in. But you yeah. can't say that 
you can't say, well, the, the counterpoint of that is we're just going to completely eviscerate the idea of the professional abstraction. I don't know. You can't it's, do that. It's wedded to the nature of, I mean, it's wedded to the machine. I mean, you can slow that process down though. Absolutely. And, and, and humanize it and humanize or humanize the people that are participating in that process. Rather, exactly. you said something a few episodes ago, Ryan, that, uh, AI could be smart, but couldn't ever be wise. Mm -hmm. Right. Because that's a, a, only, only a human could actually mm -hmm. achieve wisdom or wisdom could only happen to a human. Um, and that's what, like the co the collective wisdom of any different community that you're advertising to mm -hmm. is what is going to drive the positive or negative metrics on the work that you're accomplishing within the agency, right? Mm -hmm. So like if you're doing performance marketing, work that performs would be, you know, work that achieves a certain click-through rate or achieves a certain number of widgets purchased. Mm -hmm. And it's gonna be the collective wisdom of that community that you're advertising to that is going to achieve or not achieve that goal mm -hmm. or is gonna allow you to achieve or not achieve that goal. And so if you're just using an AI tool to make it more efficient mm -hmm. because the kind of collective intelligence that the ChatGPT or whatever has has generated from previous ad campaigns or wherever it's pulling all this, you know, yeah. information from, it's going to be incomplete because it doesn't make it, it doesn't make the new available. Yeah, it only it, makes the it's old iterative, available. it's iterative and re repetitive, but it doesn't, um, that gets into the creative generative, doesn't create new or novel uh, in a, in a core kind of way, it can create the appearance of novel, but like the truly not the truly distinct or the truly new is, but that's the argument for later that that people fear when you know with this the relative possibility of AI becoming sentient. Um, but um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You said something just to go back to that I thought was interesting. So you were talking about um, a neutrality, mm -hmm. you know, and I always say nothing is neutral, right? Um, and so when I was thinking about that through the way that you were saying, the way you're talking about it, it's like trying to think that out loud. And one of the things that, um, and this may bear on the AI stuff. So, you know, if I said, if I said the, um, and I'm trying to think through how you talk about value, like I know what you mean when you say that. So mm -hmm. like, I think I understand. So like, so we got value, we got neutral. And so, you know, value is always to whom? Um, and neutrality is, is I think a kind of like a, um, a myth of an idea, but it can, it can work. You know, so you have to, I'm uploading a, a worldview system that permits work, right? When I say that I'm like conceding uh, ground and at least I'm, I'm saying at a pragmatic level, level neutrality works as a connotative or denotative designator of something, right? Um, and so, but when I say, and this is why I'm just curious, like when I say nothing is neutral, what it could mean is the, cause what, what you're, when you say, when you say something is neutral and we're going to, let's say we're going to market things, what you're saying is we have no stakes in the, um, uh, morality or immorality of any, or, you know, of anything being advertised. Like, like, like you're kind of saying like, that is not our, um, we will absolve ourselves of, of any responsibility, responsibility for the effects. Yeah. So what you're, so that's what, so cause what you're, cause the thing, like, let's say the thing, the thing itself is not neutral. It may be impotent. You may be, you may be indifferent to it. 
or it might be neutral relative to certain value systems and yeah, but not relative to other ones. That, that was my question is like, where, where in this space does like that neutrality sit um, that holds the value for you? Is it the neutrality in terms of like outcome process and like application within society or is it neutrality within like um, thinking about kind of like the, the, the process and production side of advertising where we're going to sell something based upon its merit to a group of people who desire that merit as opposed to uh, selling something just because we've put a veneer of some type of virtue on top of it or some sort of like, you know, it's, it's, it's that, it, it is that neutrality a, we're not going to now just tether everything we do to only a social or identity politics sort of stance and actually get to maybe something more real um, in terms of some type of societal objectivity instead of what we understand most of our society right now to be, which is largely strong opinion-based, very, very heavy air quotes here, truth. Right. Um, so that's, that's kind of my question. Like, where, like where, where does that neutrality kind of sit when you say it? I almost feel like neutrality is a place. Okay. Right? So, I mean, there, there is going to be um, subjective value on or for the products that you're selling uh, with and to the community that you're trying to sell it to, mm-hmm. right? So I'll go back to the King C. Gillette example. We launched a, the, the, the at-home beard care brand mm-hmm. for, for men of color, right? For black men and Latino men um, who were not previously customers of Gillette because Gillette was just a straight wet shaving brand. Mm-hmm. And weirdly enough, I learned in the military that not that most black men can't actually wet shave. You can't mm-hmm. just put shaving cream, get a, a razor or a th- three or three razors or five razors, you know, <laughs> or 17, however they start, how many, <laughs> many Gillette started adding and just shave every day. Like I could, yeah, it's yeah. like, Oh, okay. So there's subjective value in different types of beard care tools or facial hair tools for men who have a different skin type and hair type than I do. Mm-hmm. So the neutrality is a, is a place for us as we acknowledge that and then the subjective value of us selling that product set to one group of people and not selling it to another group of people mm-hmm. because why would we sell it to a group of people that either aren't going to use it or aren't mm-hmm. going to actually drive the purchasing yeah that that another group would so i think from a cultural standpoint that neutrality is a place where you can operate not from hey we're going to we're going to add more subjective values mm-hmm. onto this very specific kind of subjectively driven sales process. Does that make sense? Yeah. I feel it, like I said it makes the sense same word over and over again. I mean, I'm thinking of this like uh, <clears throat> within a historical space, like just um, like if you look at the last 80, 80 to 90 years of like advertising history, you've got the post-war where you really see like a creative uptick, huge creative uptick because of some of the process changes within advertising, the way that people were working together and collaboration was actually happening. Um, so the, so one side of the creative process, uh, writing or design, you know, copy or design, one side wasn't dictating the other. Um, so all this changes. And as we see that you have all of these new things start to come out. Well, once you have about 20 years of this sort of influx of a different type of creativity, you then start to see in the eighties that now we're, we're taking that creativity and it can be much more personalized 
not just through the things that are going on in the advertising industry, but you're also seeing it in the way the technology is allowing for advertising to be in many more places, right? So it's it's no longer like here are the top ten magazines to be in, and here's some billboards, and then here's the really famous person on the show being watched by you know 18 million people on a Tuesday night smoking a cigarette talking about Camel cigarettes. So all of that expands into something else. Um, everything moves towards a much more uh, a higher space of like. Uh, personalization, if we can even, you know, have the kind of gravitas to say that's what it is. Um, the personalization, um, then you move into place. Now you have ubiquity of advertising. I mean, at one point it was like, oh, you have 8,000, 8,000 impressions a day are hitting you in terms of advertising for brands, for other things. I don't, I don't know what that number is anymore. It's gotta be exponential past that. Um, so it seems like, um, there is like a, when I think of it in a historical space, there is kind of like a, we've, we've opened the box and we're trying to put a few things back in, mm. you know, where it's like, there's so much stuff that we've laid on top of advertising. Cause it really used to be, I mean, there's, there's always been uh, a sense of not in a pejorative way, but there has always, advertising has always had a sense of kind of a, a manipulation that happens, right. In terms of like you're, you're coercing, but again, not pejorative. Yeah. Give, you know, well, so that's what, so this so you said it right there. That's it. So um, you get into a dilemma. Um, that's ethics and morals. All of a sudden, mm -hmm. you're you're like Dan. You know, rightly so. You start dancing. It's not pejorative. It's a manipulation. That's where I go to effects as being non-neutral. Mm -hmm. um, so that so that there's nothing that is neutral means that I agree with the effects. I'm willing to live with the the vast range of effects that occur as a result of this, both in the uh, aims and intentions, but also in the unintended. What I can't see, I'm willing to roll the dice that way. I mm -hmm. think these are these are effects I can live with. And you might say I'm I'm ambivalent about it. I, I don't I don't care too much. Um, but that's not a neutral statement. That's just a, a statement of intensity um, or hierarchy. Uh, my hierarchy of uh, priorities means that I pr prioritize uh, this such that this falls under that, and I'm going to I'm good with marketing to the, these people for this set of effects. Um, and, and actually those people never ever having to hear about it or deal with it or whatever. Um, and so what, cause what then what is left on the table is effects manipulate people. So if you appeal to neutrality, then there's this, um, uh, a kind of, um, not ambivalence, uh, belev uh, uh dulling, not a doling, but it's like a benevolence category that is sort of above, I guess. Um, it's like it's a it's a category of of reality that doesn't actually exist, but we uh, it's an abstract reality that we appeal to that doesn't um, that is effectless. It has no effects, mm -hmm. right? And so you say, well, um, I'm neutral to that. It's, it's a neutral thing, and it's a way of stepping out of responsibility. And conceding, like, no, I just don't care that much. But that process of operating that way means we start to ignore the effects. So, like, if I so so to put it a different way, if I say this cup is is non-neutral, um, or it's neutral, but it's hot, you know, I say that, and we market it that we think about it that way. It's a neutral. You say, okay, we sell it's, a, it. it's a white paper cup with a yeah. black plastic lid yeah. that you sip coffee out of. Yeah. Or it's it, capable of holding mul it's multiple capable of holding yeah, it's lines, it's, it yeah, doesn't right. have to be coffee, right? Right. Be, right. I mean, I'm making it. It's I mean, like, it seems pretty like 
basic, basic non-descriptive, yeah, you know, non-descriptive. Like unoffensive. That's right. But if someone spills coffee on their lap because it didn't say hi, now we're dealing with a multi-million dollar lawsuit. Hmm. So the effects just had real consequences in the real world that we're not accounting for because we're not thinking through through it in a maybe a thoroughgoing way, let's say. That, that, I mean, that's what happened with McDonald's. Mm-hmm. Um, so so well, what happened there? Well, people assumed a kind of a, a givenness to the, the coffee cup uh, and in a world that is not static and givens aren't, aren't givens that much. You know, they, they are until they're not kind of thing. I don't know if I'm rabbit trailing, but... Um, I think it's really, I don't think that, like, so what I'm not doing is saying, like, I'm not really debating. I'm more trying to, like, agitate, like, a finer point that plays itself out later with AI. So, um, what? I don't want to. So, so it's, it's just to summarize this to say, to deem something neutral is to ignore the laden effects that will actualize. Which... Yeah, said in certain company could be a very postmodern take. Yeah, right. And yeah, I think that's kind of like. Wait, say, saying that, <coughs> saying what I said is a postmodern take. Well, it could be because the postmodernists were always saying that nothing is neutral and everything is political and everything is social. Well, okay, so that's good. This, so right? now we're to hold, just hold that thought because yeah. this is this is it. This is where I was headed. So when I started this whole ramble, is I don't mean so that's a reader response relativity. I'm talking. So let me, let me, I was like, how do I put my cards on the table? I am a odd bird in that I am a Christian whose theology is deeply uh, materialistic. In other words, I think God cares deeply about the physical world and that the, the totality of all, th- all things are necessarily ontological and have their distinctness and they actually hold together in one harmonious whole. And so, and physical matter is not by, bifur- I'm not a, um, a, two kingdoms world or I don't believe in dualism. So I think that actually upper story, I'm not lower a, story. Yeah. I'm yeah. not a Platonist. So right. I think that, uh, spirituality, uh, is, uh, co-mingling or mutually present within the physical. And that's a whole big, discu- yeah, it's a whole big discussion. And, um, and so from, from that perspective, gathered matter is always particularized and in its particularized ontological state, it has effects, um, that are not neutral which is not a postmodern statement. It's like a axiom. It's a very fundamental kind of, um, almost objective. It, yeah. It's, it's highly objective and precedes long before we even get to modernism. So, so just to put full cards on the table, sure. because, because I love that you said that, cause I think you're totally right. And I think that that's what makes this conversation interesting to me is precisely what you, what you brought to the table. Cause I was headed towards what I just said, which is this is actually real. It's not predicated on my, so it's a, it's a highly, um, uh, this goes back to the multiple centers. Every person is their own center and they all determine what has value or not. And we just wait for a majority to decide. And we all believe that the majority always is right, right? Hmm. Right? I, I, I don't. I don't believe. That. I think you're. That's you're a da- for at this table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I mean, I'm, I'm saying that so you guys can say I don't. We yeah, know totally. that that's a dangerous place to be, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so we don't want to say that. So, so this is where it gets into morals and ethics. Anyhow, mm-hmm. objectivity. That is the. Um, so the the cultural system may say that's a neutral, but the actuality of the thing might have effects that say, oh no, I'm hot coffee. You just got burned. You got a doctor bill. 
and um, we got to deal with it. Yeah, I think and that, yeah. you know, <clears throat> objectivity, that's the space where it's like, um, follow me on this because it's going to be incoherent. But, you know, just I mean, I've just been, that's all I can do. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's, um, so when I think of uh, the concept of, of neutrality, and I think this has a lot to play uh, into the conversation of AI because AI is considered neutral. Yes. Right. Yes. So it's, it's like, oh, it's just a bunch of ones and zeros that are spitting out things based on a, uh, a scraping of uh, all that man knows. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's an assumed neutral space that it supposedly occupies, even though we do have those AI prompt engineers who feed stuff into it. <laughs> so the, um, so the, the thing with that is uh, if, if new, if, if neutrality, neutrality does exist, but it exists wholly within a subjective category. So neutrality is never stationary because neutrality is just going to be in my mind, as I think of things, the reactionary space that occupies the, the negation of something else. So what I mean by that is if, um, if, if, if everything is kind of on a spectrum and we have, um, this is hot and this is cold, well then the neutral thing is going to be lukewarm, right? So we kind of have that designated space. But if you've been in a shower that's like 115 degrees, what is lukewarm to you, right? Because we have, we have a, an acclimation that we do as humans. And so I think that's the thing that's, when we talk about neutrality, it is always that moving target, which is why it's hard. It's why we would say like nothing is neutral so, because you know, the target never stays. So well, ne- neutrality or our perception of neutrality would always be in reference to the particular historical norms that we're existing in such that, or norms or values that we're existing in such that we then say, relatively speaking, this seems neutral in comparison to what is common. Yeah, because there's, I mean... In, we, in the sense of your like relative heat metaphor. Yeah, I think there's some of the words like, the, like we, we, can't, we can't separate from experience, right? So, so if there is a thoroughgoingness to us as creatures, like there is a particularity to the things I have seen and understand. And we see this within psychological literature where it talks about, like when we talk about normalization, that's all this is, right? It's normalization allows for neutrality to not work the way we want it to. Well, so, yeah, so, so. Um, because like if, if I were to take somebody who's like a serial killer, well, what's neutral of his experience? Yeah, you know, not killing him as much as he was. Right, no, yeah, um, but, but I mean, you know, tongue in yeah. cheek, but I mean like yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. That, that's what I'm kind of saying is like there's a subject, subjectivity to it that yeah. makes it a difficult concept to really Well, okay, so this is, about. yeah, that's right. And here, here um, and this is like just, I think interesting. So I just want to make sure that we're, we're not debating <laughs> Carrie, like Carrie's great to have on because Carrie's got real thoughts and this is all going somewhere. I think it's yeah, productive. Yeah. I'm totally neutral. I have no thoughts. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you got Ryan uh, on my left and yeah. on my right yeah. and Carrie's dead set. Totally neutral. Carrie's totally neutral. The middle so, is 115 degrees Fahrenheit. And- it's 115. <laughs> um, but the, so here's the ball bust. Well, how do you say it? Yeah. My kids listen to this. Yeah. Uh, basketball where you shoot the shot. Yeah, yeah. Um, the slam dunk. The slam dunk. Yeah. That's what we call it. We call it the dunk. Um, they call it the dunk. Okay. Um, <laughs> so dumb. I'm sorry. I just brightened to breathe myself. Um, <laughs> Switzerland. Switzerland is not neutral. It is a um, intellectual proposition that um, allows for one the appearance of new. Like 
it, it, so let me, let me go back. A, let me go back a step further. Um, neutrality is a secular idea. Okay. Uh, secularism is, um, has, uh, I'm just going to be all the way who I am. It's, it's, it's its own religion. It doesn't want to say that it is. And it's historically predicated on not being, and y'all don't have to agree with me. This is just me talking. So I don't want to put anybody else on the spot. Um, but so, um, neutrality is a secularist idea in reaction to what religion. Mm-hmm. So, um, so it's a, it's a tetherless moral statement of ambivalence as a virtue category. Um, this, the highest virtue is neutrality. I am, um, I am totally inclusive. I am totally for all of these things. I'm unaffected by all of these things. All of these, um, uh, very secular ideas, uh, bleed into our framework and are now operating as absolute givens. So, so it's, so when we say, or when you say it's a sliding, thing. Well, no, it's just in un, untenable mm-hmm. because, because secularism is untenable. Um, well, I'm, not, I'm like, not saying it's tenable and sliding. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah, saying, yeah, yeah. But I think it's, like a great picture of that is like, it's like saying that, um, in a tennis match, the only thing that really matters is the two players and what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it would be like saying up to this point in history, we always play tennis on the green. And then at a certain point, we switched over to playing on clay. Mm-hmm. But we're all going to say that that change didn't matter. Mm-hmm. The court doesn't matter. The mm-hmm. material of the court the doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. The conditions don't matter. The, the weather conditions, it's just the agents that are on the field. Yeah. And that's really, yeah. that's all. So secularism that, put man at the center. So secularism was like, okay, we're going to change the conditions of the court. We're now, secularism is the new court that yeah. everyone's playing on. Yeah. And so now we've been playing on that court so long that we assume the That's dynamics the and the effects of that court. That's right. And we, or, you know, there's an open conversation. Is that the best court to play the game on? Yeah. And so we're, and we're, and we don't, so we go back to Camus and in, in the absurdity category and the philosophical rupture in history of thought that sits really well with the industrial revolution. And then, um, um, modernism, modernity, scientism, like all of these things flood forward and they all operate around these neutral categories. And that's where you get postmodernism is because the kind of uh, ideals uh, failed because you have Stalin and you have, you know, you have all the things that happened that were like, well, they are all kind of operating out of the same certain, certain similar paradigms. And how could this have happened? Well, we untethered ourselves from any kind of uh, moral framework. Um, we have a reactionary moral framework and the best we could postulate is calling something a neutral, which is an amoral statement. There's no, uh, it's a negation of morality. And so you take the amoral statement as a negation of morality and you normalize it into business practices. And then we're able to talk about things as, well, this is a neutral, this is just best practices for this machine. It's a cog. It works to get this outcome and this output. And, and then we move on to the next thing. Um, and I'm just saying that, uh, um, that is, uh, I'm, what I'm not saying is we, at a, like a colloquial level, like you, you don't sit in a room and go, now that's a neutral color or that's a neutral effect. Mm-hmm. That's a, or, you know, it's, it's like, I'm not trying to be so pedantic that we can't actually communicate, but if we're to pull back layers and sit down and have a conversation about it and we're trying to talk about AI, we got to kind of strip apart the engine and go, Hey, we've been running a secular engine for a long time and we don't even know it. And it isn't, um, it isn't working well, 
but because people assume it's the only engine we're running, they don't have another engine to work with. So they're like, we got to fly forward. And you're like, maybe not, or maybe at a minimum, let's stop and think about how we got here yeah. and, and, and how that, um, so if it's rained so much that you're, I'm just going to go back to the tennis metaphor. If it's been raining so long on the clay that now we're trying to play tennis in a mud pit mm-hmm. and we're saying, well, how do we need to change the game of tennis to accommodate the mud pit mm-hmm. that we're playing in? Mm-hmm. Um, because we've assumed that this is the only surface upon which the yeah, game ground. can be played and that surface is deteriorating yeah. Yeah, because yeah. of the, n- the very nature of what it is can't sustain. Right. There's, you could either say, so we need to change the rules of the game. We need to modify it all about how we exist on this surface. Or you could say, is this the best surface we could be playing the game on mm-hmm. before we just tear down the essential nature of the game of tennis? Because now we're playing tennis with snowshoes on because it's so muddy. Mm-hmm. You know, we can't even, and you know, all the effects like mm-hmm. we talked about that play out from that. Yeah. Karen, yeah. Those are all based on the assumptions that the field that because the clay is is new mm-hmm. to the field, therefore it is the next iteration. Therefore it is mm-hmm. good because mm-hmm. it is new. And I think that's where we yep. left off talking last time that that new isn't always good. Mm-hmm. That's right. And yeah. you've added to that, which is, well, there's all these conditions that we think are uh, external to, to the playing surface. And, and they are in a way, mm-hmm. uh, but we're not, we're not, we haven't agreed that it's the best playing surface to accommodate for those external sources. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because we yes. do need some sort of like Switzerland is an example, uh, uh, like we do need a place mm-hmm. to negotiate these things. Mm-hmm. Right. So there does need to be some, some sort of neutrality. Maybe neutral is the wrong word because nothing is, is neutral, but we do need a place to negotiate. So it's just called a negotiating place. Sure. And it, and, and then what that allows for is negotiation to become, um, uh, what it actually is, is it, so when you take away neutral, well, then you have to, so remember I said morals and ethics are up here and they're like excluded because, because by what moral framework, by what ethical, you know, standards, what are we talking about? And all of that we ignore. And, and I'm saying as an axiom, um, that, uh, those are, un, they're, they're not ignorable. They're, they're rot within. We are necessarily moral beings. We're going to make either or decisions. I don't care how fluid you are. You're going to look both ways when you cross the street or you're going to die. So like, and I, that's what I mean when I say I'm a hard, hard materialist in that sense, in the sense that I don't disconnect spirituality from your physical actions. Sure. So your physical life demonstrates what you believe. What you do says what you believe most fundamentally. If you thought you were totally fluid, you pour yourself into a cup. It's an idea that doesn't actually hold because you're physical. That's why you avoid walking across freeways when cars are driving because you don't want to die unless you do. And right. And then you make that choice. You, you, I'm, so I'm being, I'm being real punchy and sure. like pushing that hard. And so when it comes to, to negotiation, this is where, um, you know, it, you, you're, um, the implication of ethics and morals are always on the table. And then diplomacy is, you know, a decorum, all of these start to make sense, so but there's like- no neutrality. It's, are you welcomed at the table? Is hospitality? Mm-hmm. It's it's is this a hospitable place for us to actually have human interaction? Because mm-hmm. I would argue that negotiation is just a fundamental human interaction. Yeah, yeah. do you know what I mean? So it's like is it to make I'm yeah. trying to it's like to to make it vivid. So there's yeah. I think the, the colloquial use of neutrality then can be understood as if you have an extreme force that's present. In order to neutralize that force, you must have an equal and opposite mm-hmm. force that presses against it to yeah. resolve it. Sure. So, so within Switzerland, when you have a bunch of nations warring, and that's one side of a, a 
intensity spectrum, Switzerland can be an equal and opposite force against that disposition mm -hmm. to balance it out and create a certain type of equilibrium. Um, and this, you know, similar another ideas like if you have tinnitus, you have certain frequencies that are really heightened in how you're hearing them. You don't make those go away, but you can introduce other frequencies into your hearing experience that have equal and opposite effects that neutralize mm -hmm. out mm -hmm. the frequencies. Well, see, that's that are the thing about Switzerland is they they would posture as being amoral in a sense, but actually all human actions are moral actions. So that's but that's why so, I'm sort of yeah. proposing this this alternate <clears throat> way of describing neutrality as equal mm -hmm. and opposite. So let's say that you're an ad agency and you understand that within a certain time and place there are certain value categories that certain people are saying, no, if you're going to sell a product or something, you have to hit these check boxes. And you say, well, actually, I think it's important that we exist as sort of an equalizing and opposite way to exist within the space to give people who don't hit those check boxes access to the opportunity to work with a good agency right. and get their product out. And you want to be that ad agency because fundamentally you have a moral and ethical perspective that says that is a better way of doing things. That's a better world to live in than one that swings one direction or the other. Um, or like Switzerland. So you're say, just back into hierarchy. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think that's where like we can talk about neutrality, not divorced from, from ethics or morals, because we can say, I think that it is a positive good according to my worldview. If you want to kind of use that phrase, um, that the possibility of getting services in this scenario is available to people right. who, so, who don't necessarily want to go through a bunch of hoops yep. that a large group of society says you have to go through these hoops in order to get access to these services. Right. So we're arriving we're arriving back, I think, at at tools in general and AI specifically as a tool that is and has become in people's eyes so efficient at gathering data that it just the fact that it exists that way and people know that that's what it does makes it harder to be a human because everything we're talking about the mess of this mm -hmm. everything is a value judgment like mm -hmm. choosing the razor i choose is a value judgment yeah then well if it 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 is providing us the opportunity to be the cheap way to say it is lazy but I think the deeper way to say it is to be less human and to stop mm -hmm. investigating. Because people might be listening to this conversation and being like, it's not a moral choice to which razor I choose. It's not a moral choice whether I go to Del Taco or Taco Bell. And it's not, but it is. Because it is. You, it's just about proximity. You're right. just proximity it, to the, the center of where, like if I said, hey, so all the people like, okay, so sweatshops produce Nike shoes. You buying Nikes is a moral choice. You're just so far removed from it, you don't see the moral implications. Mm -hmm. That's there, it. There, and That's it. And you do have to grapple with finitude and yeah. the ability to not see the extent to which the ripples go when you drop the pebble in the water. Yeah. And that's a real thing about the human condition that we yes. can't be, we can't see the whole line of the, the, mm -hmm. the domino of effects. Yeah. Um, and so then you have to deal with, well, what's, what's, how do you deal with that ethically and morally when you actually aren't privy to the full outcome of your actions? Yes. That's serious. No, you have to embrace what it means to be human, which is to understand that all of your choices participate in the cause and effect. 
Yeah. That the, you don't get to choose that, or necessarily see right. where it's going to go. That's right. So then you kind of need a word from outside that says, hey, do this, don't do that. Yeah. So someone who has the perspective to see the full cause of Rainbow Klaus, Like actions. Klaus Schwab or George Soros. Yeah, kind of like that. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I'm smiling right now, guys. I didn't really mean that. I didn't <laughs> really say. But that's what, that's what people are doing, though. No, it is. Yeah. It's uh, you. Or artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence can be the word from outside because it gives the perception of a certain type of omniscience mm-hmm. that can tell me what's going to happen if I do this AI, and then the AI... Yeah. presumably can calculate the full ramifications of the effects and then we can trust in that word. Dude, what if you do that and then all of a sudden AI just starts singing Elvis, caught in a trap, I can't walk out. It sounds like it sounds like the end of a, a Night Shyamalan movie. Yeah. It's like because all this is going I on and then, then it's just a room but. and it's just spinning yeah. and that song's playing and then it's credits. We can't go on together. <laughs> Suspicious lines. <laughs> Suspicious minds. Suspicious well, minds. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean... Yeah, it, it, it seems that you know through this conversation is like uh, neutral can sometimes be used as a kind of a a non-neutral. Well, as a, as a shortcut, <laughs> I was going to say yeah, a shortcut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's like a, it can be a shortcut phrase, um, you know, for all the things um, because you know if there's if there's anything we do, we uh, have raised from the beginning of this podcast uh, a horse named Nuance. Uh, that died at some point and we just still keep kicking. We the just kick it around. <laughs> well, no, because, because the, the whole point of this conversation is to do battle with the idea that AI is neutral. And so if you can talk about neutrality for a second before it ever gets to AI, then it, then it at least lets you know, it, it makes you sensitized to the tool you're holding as calling something neutral, mm-hmm. like that tool. Yeah. That's a tool. Mm-hmm. That's a pragmatic tool that is meant to give you the appearance of, in, of, um, uh, no culpability. You know, if you say I got no dog in the fight, well, the only reason why you don't got a dog in that fight is it maybe isn't relevant to you yeah, you that you can see that the effects but, don't ripple out. To yeah, but that's you. not neutral. You just don't care. Um, Which it, is a value statement. Yeah, a negative yeah, one. A negative one, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. and so or you know, and a lot of times people are like, "I'm neutral on this." Now you're just not. You don't have any thoughts yet. You're you're just or you don't want. You're you're adverse to difficulty. So you're not neutral, you're adverse to difficulty, but we don't say that. We don't go, hey guys, I'm cowardly in this this particular conversation, so I'm gonna stay quiet. And I'm, cause I really, at the core, uh, am afraid. And I'm not, I don't wanna tell you I'm afraid, cause I don't want you guys to not like me. I mean, that's like what we're really talking about. Mm-hmm. Hey, we don't like religion, but we don't got a grounds for it. So we're gonna make a system <laughs> that does what Cody was describing. We're gonna try to be as loud as the religion to where we cancel it. Well, so many generations down the road, we're actually canceling it. You know, like that's what we do. Like that's it's those are all non-neutrality gets you in a place where everybody's getting canceled. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. or neutrality got us is getting everybody canceled. How do you get from neutral to secular, private? Think about all the categories: uh, private, public, and we start to break things down. And now it's like, hey, none of it's private; it's all ours. You know. Um, <laughs> But all that to say, um, my uh, total monkey wrench in all of this is I'm questioning like everything, including like business practices, marketing, you know, um, big business. Like I'm just thinking about Nike. It's like, you know, this is where it gets into a heck of a conundrum. Like, should there be um, this kind of outsourcing and I don't know, man. I mean, it's we all got egg in our face. 
Mm-hmm. I guess, I guess, I guess is what I'm trying to say is I got egg in my face. Like no one's, no one gets out from under this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We're all, we're all culpable. Yeah. To, to, a, to a certain extent. And if the, the question then becomes, what are the reference points that we're using to decide uh, where the line is? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or like some of our previous conversations, you know, we understand our agency to be limited within a particular set of circumstances according to what we're able to do as humans within our framework yeah. context. So we can't do everything. Mm-hmm. We can't act against all of these forces simultaneously. So we have to really look at what we can do and what we do, what we haven't given responsibility for mm-hmm. and try to wrestle through these questions, um, not pretending that we are omniscient. Well, and that's kind of like AI is ultimate. Like that's what we've done with the tools. I think last time I talked about the the vacuum cleaner, the mm-hmm. the dishwasher, the washing machine. Not to give you a platform to you know evangelize for all of us living on a on a commune in the, in yeah. the hills of, <laughs> of Northern Virginia, but like at some point we have to decide like how many tools are too many, yeah, and which tools um, actually make us feel like we can do the thing you just said we can't do. Yeah. yeah. So like we we become such efficiency junkies with all of the things that allow us to Steve Jobs, dude, to have more time to spend mm-hmm. with our families. Which do we, we do we do, do we, we even have families? We're yeah. producing the least amount of people ever. So right. yeah, that's right. a great point. Right. Yeah. So and we also don't have time. Right. So. And so now we it's got none like, of the things. Yeah. Right. And so and then for, and from a advertising marketing standpoint and and bringing it back there, if AI is just another tool that allows us to sell more faster, and then you just remove the human agency from the entire experience. Human agency in both understanding <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. of the word. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Exactly. I'm but, a dad. I got to throw this dad. No, so. for sure. <laughs> Is that a Cody clarifies moment? Was that a Cody clarify? It so. was. It was. Hello. Cody clarifies. Um, we're back, but yeah, it removes, it removes, it removes the opportunity for us to, to even like really contemplate it because then it just gets so tiring for people, Mm -hmm. um, to even think about that. They're just like, I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. It's get like, out of I, my face. Right. The, the, I don't care is the, the dehumanizing effect towards apathy right. and despair. I'm just going to go to target. I'm going to buy a pack of a five pack of t-shirts and I'm not even going to ask where these came from. Right. Because yeah. I just don't have the margin. When we are there, which we are, that's when someone else who's not there who has a little more power is like, we'll tell you what to do. It'd be all right. So we, we've done this thing with our kids that some people have had taken issue with. Um, and, uh, it's, uh, did you post about it online so people could comment? <laughs> no. Did you ask, did you put all of them in one <laughs> big car seat? <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing <laughs> idea. Oh my gosh. You stack, either on you top stack of each them. Other or they're, turns they're out it's just smallest car. to biggest. Obviously. It's like uh, Russian nesting dolls. You just the smallest <laughs> one on top of it. But no, uh, the, uh, we've never accepted. I don't know. It's an answer. Mm. That's not because I don't know isn't an answer because there's plenty of times where you just don't know. Yeah. But we've understood that I don't know is usually shorthand for I haven't thought. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's like that's in this whole space of like I don't care that occupies that same space for me. Yeah. Where it's like, have you, have you, well, see, have, you're putting responsibility. See, that's, that's good because it's putting it respond. It's putting it in the, the non neutral state of responsibility. Yeah. Well, you just haven't, I, you haven't come to know, you haven't thought about it, you haven't done the work to, because um, a true I don't know in a space where someone's inquiring, and this is the way I've always presented my kids, if it's a thing where you're like, you really don't know. It's like, okay, well then what, then what? Yeah. And then what is, well, we can ask questions, we can engage, we can mm-hmm. search, we can 
be creative. We can be wrong. We can fail. Like we can do all these things, but I don't know means you just stop. Yeah. Yeah. Mm Because if because so many people are just complacent with well I don't know yeah it's like okay cool well yeah. to take it further to stop what to stop being a human and that's exactly mm-hmm. it and so the I don't care occupies the same space for me where right it's like okay cool so you've just you've just waved well, the like biggest I, white flag and thrown your hands yeah out. I won't right. let my kids are not allowed to say they're bored yeah they are not allowed to say they're bored because that's a denial of reality yeah and actually from my perspective it's a denial of what how God's made them so like like no there's you absolutely are not allowed to say bored in my house. Yeah, bored. They, and they really don't do it because they just—it's not a, in our vernacular. They—you'll never hear me and Laura go, "We're bored." I was like, the only thing you'll ever hear me and Laura say is, "Oh my gosh, I'm tired," because yeah. there's too much to do. Mm-hmm. So yeah, because it's like you're bored of what? Yeah, because like I have had times where I've been like, I'm bored of watching movies. Yeah, you know, like it's a rainy day. Yeah, we're on vacation at the beach. I'm bored of watching movies. Yeah. You know, yeah, you're bored of something. Yeah, but to just be bored in general, like yeah. that's an existential, yeah, like yeah. non. So we're just we're well, just and really you're bored because you're repeating yeah. the experience and the human experience yeah. is to have a breadth right. of experience. Yeah. So we just don't even let bored in, even at that level. Yeah, yeah. Because once it sneaks in, it bleeds. Mm-hmm. It presses through. Yeah, yeah. Precious. No, but 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 no, you know, <laughs> no judgment on anybody it. else. It's just that that's just something that it's like. No, we're you know a long time ago with Ava, she asked when she's a little tiny. Little tiny uh, pipsqueak was bored me, and she heard someone said they were bored. What does that mean? I was like, "Don't worry about it," because that's never us, yeah, ever, ever. Yeah, yeah. And then one time Oliver tried to say it, and I was like, "Ah!" And he like, I was like, "Test me on it," and he's like, oh, "Fine." Well, it's fun because you know I've I've heard plenty of parents, and like especially parents of people in my generation, they always said, "Well, if you're bored, I'm going to find something for you to yeah. do." Yeah, right. <laughs> because what that does is it says, "Oh, if you're bored, that means that you've removed agency from yeah. yourself." So yeah. I will insert it. Yep. And we've talked about this in other areas as well. But, um, you know, in that space, um, you know, you, you think about in other areas where you think about stuff like uh, writer's block or like, you know, the, the the horrible monolith of staring at a blank canvas and yeah. having nothing, right? And all of those, like, what is, well, what do you do? You say, oh, do you either throw your hands up and say, I can't do it? Or do you pivot and say, well, I need to go do something else. Because yeah. as I'm active in another another direction, things will start to mm-hmm. yeah. to help over here. Yeah. And usually the worst thing to do is to stare at the page or stare See, at the if you, if you lift off the neutral zone, you're always, you're always uh, in a state of responsibility. Mm-hmm. State of creation. Yeah, the opportunity you, for creation. Yeah, you're, you're in a, if you remove neutral, then it's a question of what are you doing? Yeah. So if you say I'm resting, okay, are you really resting? Or are you um, abdicating responsibility? Yeah. There's no neutrality. It's not neutral. It's not like it's because just, rest might be important in that moment. Yes, you just need to you need have to be able the courage to, to say yeah. this I'm, rest is good, correct. and I'm going to rest. Yep. rest because nobody yeah. here's because here's the thing: nobody wants to say I'm abdicating responsibility. <laughs> so, so you say no, I'm just tired, and I need to do X, Y, Z. Okay, you're that's you know that's where you know from my perspective, that's where you get into the human heart has fallen, sinful, it's broken. It doesn't, it's bent in on itself. It does things it doesn't want to do. Like we're, we're, a, we're a contradiction. We're, there's an oughtness to us and we don't follow through with it. So we do all kinds of goofy things and terrible things and wicked and evil things as you go down the, the line. Um, but so, you know, you'll be like, you'll, you'll rationalize everything and you'll be discordant with your, um, your heart, your, the habit of your heart. And you'll just be a walking contradiction, yeah. you know? So you'll be like, no, I'm just chilling. No, you're not. You're actively suppressing what you're supposed to do, and now you're getting anxious about it, and then that's putting you foul. It's like everything's a muck, and that's that's what I really think is happening. And so neutrality and secularism says, well, no, you need to alleviate that pressure. You need to go go do something that set makes you happy. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and that's typically not work. <laughs> it's typically towards um, leisure. And then and at another point, sex, sexual, some kind of sexual pleasure, activity, yeah. pleasure, pleasure, hedonism. And so hedonism will make you feel better. And it's like, well, we've been living pretty hedonistically and it apparently hasn't done it because we're not satisfied enough that we're not seeking to have more of it in ways that are going far beyond what I think folks could conceive of even 50 years ago. So um, I'm coming back to how serious <laughs> it is to say that neutrality is a thing. If we deal with people that way and we think that way, we don't feel the full weight of our responsibility, mm-hmm. which I don't like saying that because there's places where I don't want the full weight of my responsibility. Well, I think, you know, I was just saying, like, <laughs> if I'm thinking intakes. about myself, it's like, dang, I need uh, I need some forgiveness then. And I need some grace. Yeah. Because there's a you, lot there that exactly. I have failed at and I'm going to keep failing yes. at even as much as I would like to say I could walk out of this room and really commit to being super responsible yeah. and reflective about the effects of my actions and proactive yes. and not passive. Then it's like, I've got a lot to make up for and I know I'm I'm going to fail. Now you, now so you're getting now somewhere. I have to figure now out you're like, getting somewhere. Am yeah. I going to be crushed by this conversation or is there a way to, to get some yeah, this is, forgiveness so now, and relief? This is, you've po- so once you poke the hole in what secularism was trying to compensate for, then you realize it's an incompatible system with the nature of human hearts. So what we're really marketing towards is, is, what, uh, is what some scholars like to, theologians would call depravity, is the bent inwardness of humanity. It's the uh, uncontrollable nature of humans to want what they want, even when it's not what's best for them. And so once you recognize that you can market towards that, you, know, you can just spoon feed people. And if you're outsourcing that marketing process to yeah. AI, yeah. Mm-hmm. and there's no human agency within the Whoa. human agency, now, mm-hmm. yep. which is employing that kind of oppositional neutrality that, that you were talking about, mm-hmm. that's what those, dis- I mean, those discussions happen all the time in an agency. It's like, mm-hmm. well, is this the way we should do this? Is this why we should do, like those mm-hmm. are the conversations that are human. Yeah, but if you outsource it to ChatGPT, you look at it like, oh yeah, that works. Mm-hmm. Sure, like it works in the sense as a script that you could film it, edit it, mm-hmm. ship it. Mm-hmm. It works, mm-hmm. but it might not accomplish the human goal. And at the foundational level there is like, are we looking at this community that we're selling these razors to and saying, this is good that you have these razors? Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. I think the there's an author who just in talking about the arts sort of had a throwaway line about advertising as being a way of thriftily connecting people with things that they need and like really meets their needs, Mm -hmm. Um, which means you have to know the people, Mm -hmm. you have to have a vision for what's good for humanity in general, and then specifically what's good for this people group, not a neutral vision, but a positive vision, and then be able to say, okay, how can I as an ad agency connect these people to a thing that they really need based off of who and what they are Mm -hmm. and do it in a way that actually completes that connection process, makes them aware of the product that's being offered, helps inform them of the benefits of that. And when I say inform, I don't mean in a literal uh, statement way, but uh, using aesthetics and metaphor and effects um, to communicate the goodness of the product to the person. Um, and then ideally, hopefully connect them to it in such a way that it is within their means of affordability and money and things like that to obtain. So that way they're not sacrificing too much 
for too little. Yeah. And if you're approaching that process with uh, stated assumptions about what you think is good and what you think is not good and what you think a human is and what you think a human not is, then you can employ artificial intelligence and you can be the, uh, the rails on that bowling lane to say, hey, we're going to use this tool, but we're not going to use this tool in this way to go this direction. We're going to use this AI tool to help uh, make our process more efficient so we can more quickly do good things for people. Yeah, the, uh, the, the, two, the kind of categorical framework that works <clears throat> that um, works for me in a lot of situations, what we're talking about, that employs like everything you're talking about, Cody, the idea of responsibility, um, the idea that uh, culture and neutrality and all these sort of things are always moving targets that are never exact, um, but also contributes and, and sits well within like the humanize, dehumanize, uh, generative, like all these things we've talked about over the years, um, is the idea of passive and active, mm-hmm. right? Because even when we're talking about things like rest, you have active rest, so rest towards a goal, mm-hmm. um, right? So it's like uh, you know if you're if you're hiking up Mount Everest. Like your night's sleep is a much more active night's sleep than like I'm just like got four days off, like long weekend sort of mm-hmm. thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but when we think about active and passive, it's it's kind of another way to say like humanizing and dehumanizing, right? Or so purposeful and unpurposeful. Right. So we we have those sort of the words that sit there. But the nice thing is like um, it's provided a helpful framework for me in considering things of like, is this actively doing a thing or is it just me vacating? And allowing it to passively happen, um, it's one of the things that it, it, it hit home. Having kids, like the active and passive yeah. thing, is like, am I actively a part of my kid's life, mm-hmm. or am I passively a part of it? Yeah. Because somebody might just say, oh, "Are you a good dad?" Does that mean like you don't damage your kids in some way? Yeah, by what in a standard? Massive way. It's like yeah. by what standard? Right. But it's also like, am I active or am I passive? Because we all we all grew up, and we may have had fathers. We definitely knew fathers that were like the passive dads that mm-hmm. were like. I mean, I, I knew plenty of fathers growing up who were like, they were in the chair. Passive dad. <laughs> hey, dad, what are you going to do today? Nothing. What? <laughs> Passive dad. Hey, dad, you want to go play? Huh? <laughs> yeah. I don't Passive know what I'm going to do. Son, are you up over by the fridge? Can you get me a hot pocket? <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to tell you it's going to be yeah. non-offensive. Yeah. But the, uh, I think, you know, but with those two categories, actually like active and passive, like they, they help because it actually is something where like, even within what you're talking about with trying to use a tool well, whatever that may be, there's an active way you can do that. And there's a passive way you can just be like, do it for me. Right. And I, I do think that those two categories are, are helpful and I think with within the active cat, uh, portion of the, the within the active category, there's a range of options, mm-hmm. right? So I think people might hear that and and think like, oh, I either have to do or do not, right? Mm, like there's right. only two options. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. well, no, there's actually a range of options within activity. Mm-hmm. There are there there are stylistic differences to being a good dad, yeah, right? Yeah. Like Gareth is going to be a good dad in a different way that Ryan's going to be a good dad because they're different humans. Yep. You have a different range of options and interests and abilities and all of those things. Different kids. And different kids, exactly. So there's all different back wives to those, too. There's different wives. Back to those external Spacer. factors mm-hmm. that you were talking about with the tennis court, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, what's the foundation activity? And then that's going to provide you the the um, the range of options to, mm-hmm. to execute on that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a good point because it is like it can be heard as like a I don't know, like some sort of like overwhelming conversation. A lot of folks where it's like, are you telling me I'm like always on? It's like, no, you're not always on. But then we also have to get into other 
conversations about like, well, then what is the role of community? Mm-hmm. You're right. not on when you're sleeping. That's right. Mm-hmm. The rest you're of the time you're on. Sleeping. Yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah. Well, really I mean, on. what I mean by on is like that I'm constantly at 120%. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, so but see, I'm, I'm talking well, about yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's back to your question about abdicating responsibility, yes. right? Like yes. the answer to the question is, yeah, yeah, no, you're always supposed to be responsible. And there's just a range of options, a range of yes. ways to be responsible. Mm-hmm. And there's different yeah. levels, right? Yeah, like right. sometimes you need to be responsible at a two. Yeah. Other times you need to be responsible. Yeah. At a sometimes all you can be responsible is at a two. Right. And yeah. other days yeah. you can, you can hit yeah. a level. Well, and that right. gets yeah. to like acknowledging frailty and you know, how, how we exist as frail people able to conceptualize. Hey, you can't say this. that because we can do whatever we want. Okay. You can be whatever you want. And that's why we don't cancel people. But you because won't I'm, be whatever you want. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, um, but, but I, I think, you know, and this is with like the unity and diversity thing, because you still have to have some, you still have to assume that the real world exists. You have to assume that humans are something um, mm-hmm. and that within what humans are, there's variation. Um, so like if I was an ad agency who was trying to be ethical, I could say, well, I understand I'm going to be marketing products to a lot of different types of people. But foundationally, I don't believe that people should be manipulated to buy things that are not good for them. Like, because I think that that has a detrimental effect on. So, are you opposed to freedom of speech? That's an interesting question. I'm not going to go there. Yeah. Because not not this episode. What I'm saying saying is, let's say I'm just thinking, and this is all hypothetical. I'm not an ad agency. Sure. Um, But for your example of like the, the Gillette hair care thing, Gillette could have said, well, you know what? Wet shaving, what we really just need to do. We just need to convince a bunch of dudes who can't use these tools that they actually can. <laughs> ah, and working. we're just going to do a big marketing push to say and show a bunch of sh- cool shots of guys shaving with our products. And in reality, it's more like, like nurses dancing terrible. in hospitals telling you to, <laughs> to um, wet shave. Wet to wet, <laughs> to wet shave. That's sorry. But like, so there's there's a fundamental ethical framework about doing good to humans that would prevent someone from marketing a bad, ineffective product to a certain group of people. That assumes that there's no depravity. But anyway. Roll with me. Um, I, know, I know. I'm just... But so that's where the human beings come in. Because yes. an algorithm is not going to be able to do that by itself. An algorithm or it, it, it is a tool yes. to be used by humans <clears throat> with the understanding that that you're working from. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I think that's exactly right. That's where you need buffers and... <laughs> But I'm just what I'm trying to establish that there's 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 foundations that you then operate in specificity. So foundationally, perfect world, all dads are present and active. Yeah. Specifically, specific dads with their kids and their wives are present and active in unique and specific ways within the context of their family. Mm -hmm. Which is an outflow. That specificity is an outflow of a fundamental. Perspective on what's good for kind of all Gosh, people. I have all so much. All I, I'll never be able to say today. Oh. Um, Anyhow, it's great. So you know, yeah. if I was like trying to be a ad agency or, or conceptualize an ad agency that maybe operates a little bit differently and not fall into the trap of thinking of the neutral zone as kind of how we've talked so, about, yeah. Then I'd want to establish what the what that ethical groundwork is, what mm-hmm. my ethical assumptions about how the world works and what it is, and then within that, be able to act properly towards the specificity of all the different people who I'm helping market products. That to. affects who I employ and how we. Act. I mean, so you're you're that that means you're establishing a cultural ethic. So you might even call it dadvertising, 
because dad sets the uh, cultural ethic for how we exist in, in my home. Mm-hmm. And everybody either flourishes or don't, doesn't. But in my, in my home's case, everybody's flourishing pretty well, I think. You know, um, and not because we're getting it all right, but just that, yeah, like um, there's a clarity. Mm-hmm. So we, we do a lot of uh, blind committee work in uh, different places, you know, universities and things like that. So, and everybody feels like they've had a role to play and then the uh, advertiser is somewhere in the background pulling all the strings, <laughs> actually deciding what's going to happen. Uh, I'm totally or, mashing things or up. Or they decided it beforehand and, and what you're doing is just a big charade. Yeah, there's having you play a game um, because everything's neutral <laughs> and everybody gets to play. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't even know what the hell we're talking about. We were going somewhere. Well, was, I think, I mean, I think, uh, well, y'all go ahead. Do it, Carrie. Go for it. Help us, Carrie. Carry us. We, <laughs> we we've when we've arrived at a place where I don't know if this is true. Try it on for size. Try it. Uh, yeah, let's see what it does. We've, as a society, we've married efficiency and equity to each other, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. we've, oh yeah, we, we're going. trying to find, we're trying to achieve equality of outcome as quickly as we can Mm. to get to a perceived completely neutral Mm -hmm. end. What I was thinking about Cody, while you were talking about the, the foundation and the, the specificity with which someone is a dad within their family is the, the diversity of output from the four of us as dads is awesome and the right kind of diversity because it's true to who we are, who we're in relationship with from a spousal standpoint, who we're in relationship with to a child standpoint and the foundation from which we're operating from. It's not equitable. It's different. Mm -hmm. We are all different. We're all dads, but we're all different in the way that we do it. And so some of us do things faster and slower than others. Some of us do things that the others don't. Some of us don't do the things that others do. But our goal here is not to be the exact same, not just kind of dad, but not to be the exact same dad to our kids. Because to your point, we have different wives or we have different wives and we have different kids. Mm -hmm. But as a society, we're trying to invent these tools, these technological advancements to allow everybody to be the same and then have this perceived neutrality that we've, I think, established today doesn't actually exist. And I don't even think we would want it to exist. Yeah, you would. It's kind of a nightmare sounding thing. Because it eviscerates personhood. Well, because true neutrality is the death of the universe. It's the equal. It's the utter total equilibrium of all forces into staticness. Yes, that's that's like if the universe was left to itself on a long enough timeline with no intervention outside. That's what's going to happen, and it will be the true neutral. So I should say that again. It'll be the lack. So on a long enough timeline without any interaction the way forces in the universe work is that they will eventually all, all vibrational energy, all matter will balance itself out into a pure mm. zone of staticness. We'll run out of energy. Mm-hmm. And it was just, and that's true neutrality. Like yeah. ultimate neutrality will be nothing, nothing, nothing moving. Yep. Yep. Um, no and so dynamics. That's where, and so we all put on clothes that say we're different. 
but all the clothes have to ensure that we're saying we're different in the same exact way. Mm-hmm. Which I so, just want to put a pin in, like yeah. that's death. That's death. That's yeah, yeah, death. Yeah, it's yeah, the yeah. ultimate evisceration of any movement, yeah. any agency, yes. any anything. Yes. Now you it's understand. Well, it's more than death. It's not. It's nothing. Hmm. Or it's mush. It's the existence of a huge mush. Death is separation. Well, yeah. So yeah, it's hell. <laughs> I mean, um, it's, it's hell. Anti life. Yeah, it's anti life. Yeah. yeah, like like like. Yeah, it's anti life. It's non life. It's not death because death is different. But it is tech. Philosophically, you're saying it's non life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that's the technical. That's like technically the better answer. Mm-hmm. But metaphorically speaking, it's a kind of death. Mm-hmm. Poetically, um, and ironic to the aims and agendas. It's kind of like, I was trying to think here. Like if I said to you guys, um, we're going to a chocolate factory and I'm going to eat a lot of blueberries and I eat a bunch of blueberries and lo and behold, I blow up and I look like a blueberry. Yeah. Sounds familiar. And so um, except for in this chocolate factory, I don't get juice. Yeah. So I just continue to turn blue and eat blueberries right Mm -hmm. now. Bigger than everybody in every kind of way. And I, and let's say you're my parent. When I come to you and I say, I need, um, I, uh, I've decided I'm going to keep this lifestyle. Um, if dad's neutral, he's going to let me do it. Right. Right. Like if, you know what I mean? Like if it, it neutral, who am I to say? Yeah, sure. Um, but now I'm getting bigger and bigger. So I'm requiring you to change the way cars work. Um, because I'm putting ju- blue juice everywhere. You know, cause I'm a giant blueberry <laughs> and uh, car seats don't work for me anymore. Right. Um, and, uh, as I keep pushing this now, I'm demanding that everybody else start eating a lot of blueberries with me. You know what I'm saying? Like you see what happens? Like, mm-hmm. like if I come to you and you actually care about me, what are you going to say? This may not be the best thing for you. Yeah. That would be the loving thing. That would be the non-neutral thing to do. Hey, guess what? You need to go back and talk to Willy Wonka and you need to go get juiced, but also get, not get squeezed anything. out. I mean, you know, we know this, but just to put a pin on it, pin on it, like also not say anything is a non-neutral thing. Exactly. Like, and that's, that's the, the point because like to be like, you can't be, you can't be whatever the neutral term would be mm-hmm. supportive. Yeah. You're, you're supportive or you're non-supportive. Yeah. Cause that's the thing. So what's at the heart? I'm using a dumb illustration. It's my favorite metaphor. It, yeah. On but, the show it, so far. but it, but it actually, but it works because, because I've been introduced to something that I don't have self-control over and I want to keep doing it. I desire it and I've desired it so much that I've become it and I've become it in a way that actually is no longer fitted for the way life is. And so I either turn from doing that and get squeezed, get back to what uh, my right, right mind, or I normalize it by legislating it and demanding it. And that, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, evangelizing my parents to start becoming blueberry people. Hey, you just need to eat thousands of blueberries with me at the chocolate factory. Mm -hmm. And then we can be, then now see you're a blueberry. No, (laughs) you've just given into high levels of desire that are unchecked because you've been, you've been, um, you know, you were, you were weak in your conscience or, you know, whatever it is like in, in, you don't want to admit that it's hard to turn back. You don't want to admit that it's difficult to live with a strong desire for blueberries. Mm-hmm. Um, cause that's just too hard. Why I just want to do what I want to do. And, um, so what I'm trying to say is the mentality that does that and the culture that permits that and the society that proliferates hedonism to that extent, um, has no ethical or moral grounds to say that we shouldn't allow for people to advance chat GPT. 
Um, and in fact, uh, continued behavior in those directions, um, you know, in sort of the, the run, runaway way of desire, um, is, is going to create the appearance of necessity. It's actually a necessity that we make driverless cars because people are looking down their phones too much. No, you can just stop looking at your phone too much. Yeah. But I mean, that's the, but back to abdicating responsibility. Exactly. And and it's abdicating responsibility, uh, both individually and collectively to the community that you're in relationship with. And so instead of admitting you're, you shouldn't be a blueberry, you make everybody else blueberry. Right. Yeah. So because we want to abdicate responsibility, what you're saying is that we have a choice between chat GPT being a tool or being dad. Mm hmm. Yep. That's and, what I'm, that's what I'm getting at. And that's, I mean, that's the discussion, right? Because, uh, even in the last couple of weeks, a lot of the statements and things that people have been coming out with or articles that have been out there about AI are, it's pretty much along those lines. Um, that's literally the place we're in right now. Yeah. I mean, cause that's, that's and that's, uh, I mean, you know, who was it? There was that, did y'all see the, the 22 word statement, um, that came out last week. Um, so it's all these AI researchers and CEOs of like big, like, Big, big tech things, like pretty much saying this. They're like, if we do not step in, mm-hmm. this is uh, extinction. Yeah, this is, yeah it's extinction. extinction. Yeah. So it's either a tool if we don't slow down. We don't have a virtue for slowing down. You know what I mean? No, because like, to Carrie's point earlier, yeah. like we're about efficiency yeah. and outcome, outcome and these sort yeah, of yeah, things. Yeah. So yeah. slowing down just can't do it. Yeah. So here's the... Uh, here, here's that 22 word statement. Just slowing down, but diverting something. Yeah, diverting. Right? Yeah, yes, right. which is good, right? Because even slowing down is still, you know, well, it's, it's like it's when perfect. you're on a highway and you're not quite sure which exit to take, you slow down. Yeah. These are like, I got to make sure I hit that right exit and I need more time. Yeah. You don't just like be like, I'm not sure which exit I'm going to take. So let me just put the pedal on and go 120 miles an hour and go to Florida. Well, and worshiping progress creates an unnecessary binary where it's either you either make process, you make progress or you move forward or you don't. It's like, well, no, what about that range of options that we talked about Hilariously is, is it's like the story of like the dad who won't stop and ask for directions. Right. It's like, we laugh at that and we, we characterize Mm -hmm. and, and sort of, uh, defame dad in a certain way by, by making that little joke while our society is like completely embodying the spirit yeah. of like, no, 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 we don't stop and ask for directions. We just keep going. Yeah. Forward yeah, yeah. We'll figure it out. We're existentialists. We'll figure it out. Yeah. No, no, that's so you got, you yeah, got your statement. Go yeah, read the statement. So it yeah. just says mitigating the risk of extinction from AI should be a global priority alongside other societal scale risks, such as pandemics and nuclear war. All right. So, I mean, we're talking about like the CEO of Google DeepMind, the CEO of open AI, um, at least they some, left climate out of that. Some other names that are interesting on this list as well that I would not necessarily uh, side with, but like Microsoft, people associated with. Um, and the uh, so there's there's all of these like these things are real, right? And and what were what what things like like if these folks are saying this, then whatever naysayer is already not listening to this because they got tired of us, yeah, uh, beaten down AI. Um, if there's folks like this saying this, like it really does come down to that. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing? Yeah, but so they're also creating they're a false making. binary as well. Right, right. <laughs> Either it's a tool or it's extinction. It's like, well, there's there might be a, a third, fourth, fifth, and sixth option here. It might for kill us only half of us. Don't, they're, they're focusing us on two options instead yeah. of giving us our humanity and allowing us to work with, see, with each other right, to determine we what the other options are. We, don't, we haven't had that for a long time, and they know that. So who are they talking to? 
the people who exist. They're not talking to us. Who are they talking to? They're talking to other people that are quiet about it. That are also power brokers. Yeah. That conversation. That's we're just let, we're 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 we are we are permitted to hear what the uh, the gods of our day in quotations are are deciding. Yeah. You see, what I'm saying that's but not for us. It's for somebody else to hear. Um, but yeah. yeah, you know. Um, but that doesn't mean that we don't have. Um, I was trying to decide how how, I know. how deep I was, to go down I that know. rabbit hole. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Another day. But it is there, though. Yeah, it, it is there. It is there. So, but if people are advocating the responsibility as as citizens, yes, and we are, we're being pacified. Then we're just like we're just like, oh yeah, no, it's a, they're, they're, why are we doing that? Code. Well, because we're consumers, and we've been told we're being denied certain rights around whether or not we're a blueberry, right? And all of society is not built around something as small as that. Yeah. But we've been led through narcissism and uh, self-interest that that is the chief and highest good. And that's allowing the chessboard to be changed and the games to be changed. And like, and you're just still think you're a a power broker around what clothes you wear. Yeah. And And while we're all racing to the bottom, they're accruing more power, more resources, more opportunities. And, And making seismic shifts. So, and, and then, and then, you, you know, the useful idiot becomes a very apt thing. Um, because in the, in the equation of, um, the old word in, in, uh, in a theological framework is repent. So repentance is turning from and turn, but it's not just turning from it's turning to it's and, active. Not yeah, passive. it's active. So it's a turn from actively and it's a turn to let my people so, go so that they, yeah. Yeah. yeah so, so me in the desert, that's right. So we, um, that's great. And the interesting thing about that is, is you're going to worship in the desert one way or the other. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's either going to be. Because uh, humans are non-neutral. We're going to do a thing. We're going to do a thing and we're going to create a desert. And, and, um, (laughs) and that's what we're, that's what we're headed towards. And then you're going to end up having to worship because you'll always. So, um, uh, what's not off the table is the fact that the world is hierarchical and we'll either take responsibility and repent. Or in you know use use the tools to render the tool more tool and not God or mm-hmm. Dad or whatever you want to call it or uh, uh, a, an instrument of oppression which will be its next use until it maybe does find its way into um, you dumb you dumb us down enough that we. Um, uh, really do see it as God and, and autonomous enough wizard of odd style. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's always going to be a, somebody uh, who has to keep the power on, but that's sort of the, that is the, that is the uh, quantum. That's where we're, that's, that is the ambition of enough power brokers is it's kind of like, I want to peek behind the curtain. I want to see what's next. I can't, um, cause no ethical moral framework for it. We're most, yeah. They have us, they have us obsessed with, with getting freedom from mm-hmm. insert, you know, yep. oppressive thing instead of freedom to mm-hmm. be responsible yes. for ourselves and yep. to each other. Yeah. Because freedom Which would from actually is, be freedom. Freedom right. from is secular neutral. Right. Freedom yes. to is, you know, I always think like true freedom is, is the ability to do what's right. Mm-hmm. That's true freedom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But even when, even busts when. up a host yeah. of questions like, yeah. well, what does that mean? Right. Um, but yeah. I, think I liked freedom. your example about the maps thing because. Uh, it, it's obviously a societal trope and we kind of like make fun of dads who refuse to ask for directions. But I do something when I moved to a new city, obviously just moved to Richmond mm-hmm. a year ago and I've moved around a lot in the military and then just, you know, as a, as an adult, I've moved around a lot. So whenever I would go to a new city, 
my goal was to stop using Google Maps as quickly as I possibly could. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I nice. needed it as a sure. tool to get the lay of the land, kind of understand, you know, where the outer belt was, you know, like where, where the, where the, uh, the, the different centers of, of town are, and then stop using it as quickly as possible. And not to compete with myself to be perfect, but to make the mistakes that would get me the opportunity to get to know the town and the city better and more deeply. You're a better man than me. And like put those puzzle pieces together, <laughs> right? And so my wife always make, make makes fun of me or I make fun of her, like we'll get in the car if she's driving, she'll like plug the phone in and you know, put the maps. I'm like, ah, come on, let's, let's figure it out. You know, it's like, yeah. let's let's take the time, let's slow down, let's divert maybe, maybe we'll make a mistake. Maybe we'll miss the off ramp. Maybe we'll yeah. drive past the place that we're going and not know that it's there. And then we'll have to hit a stoplight and turn around and oh, there's another puzzle piece that we put together. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's a good, example of a way that you can use a tool up to a certain point. Mm-hmm. It's not a crutch. Mm-hmm. And then it gives you the opportunity to be more human with the community that you're now integrating into. Yeah. yeah. I love That's that. It's very convicting, dude. Because Thanks for sharing that. I feel, like, <laughs> I feel like a piece of work now, so I don't do that at all. So my wife <laughs> does something crushed. similar. Um, when she, yes, she does. When she moved to Bulgaria, she said that she put up a map of Sofia, which is the main mm-hmm. city. And every time she went somewhere, she would like put a pin hmm. where she had gone and basically constructed a mental map of everywhere that she had been and all the streets. And that helped her ultimately navigate the city. Yeah. Um, and some of that is based out of the fact that when she was a teenager learning to drive, she and her dad would drive out somewhere and then they would switch and her dad would be like, okay, get us home. And he would let her drive anywhere trying to get home. And like, like if they made a wrong turn, they made a wrong turn yep. and she would figure it out and they would eventually yep. get home. Um, I like that a lot. So she's always been. She's, yeah, she's so, she's like all about it too, man. I've heard yeah. her talk about just her mindset going yeah. to new places. And mm-hmm. she loves my that. wife likes a map, likes old school maps. She likes to. It's very interesting because she's much more of a, um, this is this tangential completely, but she's much more of a landmark mm-hmm. oriented mm-hmm. Yes. directions, yeah, whereas I'm a little bit more of a um, compass. So like when I'm driving on Google Maps, I make sure that my map is mm. always oriented according to the the compass. Yeah. So because I want to be able to put myself in reference to the actual layout. To the cardinal. When I yeah. don't You're such have a, it. Dude. I'm, a Martin, I'm, a, I'm a postmodernist, man. It's relative to the, the McDonald's and the Taco <laughs> Bell. I mean, gosh, man, you guys are making me feel like crap right now. I'm, I, I got to go soul search, man. I don't see it as a compass and I don't. Dude, what am I doing with my life, man? I, I can't navigate. I'm going to stay a blueberry unless I can <laughs> see myself on a map in my mind. Yeah, like that's if if I can't see it in there, I have no clue. Yeah, uh, it's one of the thanks, reasons. Gareth. You're just dogpiling. Yeah. Like, <laughs> let's trash Ryan today, guys. Well, I'm narcissistic, Ryan didn't so I'm even just know taking... there are maps. He just thought there were Taco Bells and McDonald's. Yeah, I just thought <laughs> and this the whole, whole time, world like, is just an interconnected <laughs> network of Taco that Bells be, and McDonald's. That actually means that places that don't have them don't exist in my life. At best, they're neutral. I feel like there's. <laughs> How do you feel about Del Taco? <laughs> uh, we could talk. About that. <laughs> I think I've I, I, after like what four, four hours of conversation over the course of the last couple of times that I've been here, maybe mm-hmm. signing myself up for for another another go round here because <laughs> we've finally landed at at an interesting spot, which is how to use these tools, mm-hmm. right? How, how do we use them, and uh, where do we? Um, integrate with those tools to mm-hmm. use that, to use that yeah. language. And where do we uh, remove ourselves from those tools or remove those tools from our, our, our quiver, so to mm-hmm. speak. Mm-hmm. Um, because obviously in, in more white collar work uh, with advertising agencies and, and the like, the question is, well, is AI going to take jobs away from people? And mm-hmm. is that an yeah. ethical or moral yes. thing? Right. Yeah. 
And so that's an interesting question, right? Like what, what do we outsource to, to the, um, to the AI and what do we not, mm -hmm. what are the mm -hmm. reference points we use to determine that? Like I've, I outsource my, I don't, I used to use rev.com to do uh, transcripts for my podcast, which was somebody who was typing away, yeah. listening, typing super fast, sending out a PDF. Now I record my podcast through Riverside. Mm -hmm. They have an AI component that just kicks out a transcript via text, uh, text edit. I export it to PDF and I've got the transcript like within minutes. Yeah. Not only do I have zero problem using that uh, tool, I'm very happy that that tool exists. What's it called? Riverside. Well, Riverside.fm is the is the software program. It's like Zoom, but it's it's basically for podcasts. You just do you have to play like your podcast through it? Through? I record through it. Oh, mm -hmm. I see. Um, so I don't know if there. I think there's other AI tools that yeah, you could probably, are. but still that would take time, right? The, mm -hmm. I don't know how long this this episode is, but like you would put your phone next or something next to it, and then it would it would listen. I don't know, but those tools are very helpful and. I would say that, you know, I don't necessarily feel bad about taking that job away from the typist. Yeah. You know, yeah. Whereas Shame taking on it you. away from a Shame storyboard you, artist Carrie. or a cinematographer or something like that. Like there's a hierarchy. That's elitist, right? dude. Unless there's a. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just That's thinking elitist, like, in 2023, we're taking the 25 typist jobs away. Yeah. Listen, here's the thing, man. That's elitist, dude, because everybody's equal. And you're saying that. <laughs> Were you no, paying that type of fair wage? It's no. like, yeah, keep that going, Ryan. I can't do it. <laughs> Make so it a, interesting. It feel like a coherent thought. Um, my mother-in-law's in town, and she was telling me that she's, she's a typist, and she's, she's going to come. She's, she's coming after, after me. me. Yeah, um, lost she's her hand, man. She's a crime prevention specialist, actually. Um, That's pretty cool. How's that going? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Depends where you are. She That's does right. a lot of community events, and she was talking with a uh, a business owner who uh, does bricklaying. Mm -hmm. builds things out of bricks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he says he and his co-owner, you know, were hoping to do $2 million in sales. That was their goal. Mm -hmm. I think last year they did $60 million. Man, they were oh, terrible business. at estimating. And they wow. were talking about the fact that like, it's a huge business. It, um, you know, masonry and bricklaying takes a whole bunch of skill. And they were having a terrible time getting people to just come and work for them. And they had like foremen making $100,000 a year. As being foreman God, for bricklayers, yeah. that's, that's something artificial intelligence is never going to be right. good at bricklaying. No, and but here's what artificial intelligence will do: it will make you think you don't need houses that are made of brick. How will you write a narrative that says that the world is going to end because not enough right. resources and mm -hmm. AI's got this Create thing? False binary. We, yeah, we're we, we're going to make these modules, mm -hmm. and you're going to live in this module where we augment your reality to look like you're living in a nice brick home with a vista, but you're really living in like in a fourteen by fourteen foot cubicle made of um you're living in a made of han solo like and Jedi, in the and middle Jedi. of a desert in china yeah so so yes to your point but but there's an answer for that mm -hmm. which is in an, in an all sincerity that's really a goal is that's that is a thing that people are working on mm -hmm. that is the, it and is the, and, I, I, and i think it's up to us to be the antidote to that yes, yes. to be the bricklayers be the bricklayers and then say hey it's okay that the typist doesn't have a job anymore because there's stuff out there yep that the AI can't do, right. never will be able to do, yeah. and it's there for humans to do, yeah. and it's good to do. Right. So I think you know, like, but business owners need to take responsibility and think on that. That's my, that's one of my big things. Is like business owners need to not just be a like next quarter, next like you need to really have an ethical, moral core and it's a value that allows people to choose it because it exists, mm -hmm. and it needs to be um, because nothing is neutral. You're free to actually express your your beliefs, uh, actually. So I'm more of an advocate of like, yeah, say what you, say what you care about. Yeah. Put it out there. Put it out there. Test it. Yep. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah. D- deal with the uh, the consequences. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You want to do? You want to come back on, Carrie? I guess. I don't think we're done. Man. <laughs> I don't think we're done. <laughs> I don't think we're done at all. I feel like we, I feel like what I hate about this is we're just getting started. Yeah. The the other industry people that you were going to bring on are never going to get an opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. They're, They're like, wait, wait. Before. Do I have to do three episodes too? <laughs> it's called about- Monopoly, Carrie. You're monopolizing the podcast. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it very well right now, but yeah. that's pretty good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's great because uh, getting into a space where we talk about like. Um, we talk about ramifications, philosophy, underpinnings, like all these sort of things. Um, but get in a space where you start talking about like tools themselves and how you might navigate them in an ethical and moral way. How do you resist integrating into them? Yeah, yeah. How, or how you how, integrate the tool. When, how they keep yeah, being a tool. Yeah. yeah, how they keep being a tool yeah. and nothing else. So what we're really talking about is ethics. Yeah. And, and maybe and in there we can sprinkle like some choice. actual. Yeah, I like it. Uh, I'd love to hear some more like boots on the ground thoughts about running an ad agency. Yeah with this specific tool and where you would see the good ways it could plug in. And, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. we'll keep, we'll keep saying we're, we want to hear that. And, and then we'll, then we'll never, never get, get there. there. <laughs> we'll never get there. We we'll, will never do get, it. we'll never get there. Right. We'll never get there. But here's the thing. We're going to do it really nice. We're going to do a really good job. We're going to make it so sweet. Okay. <laughs> we're going to do morals. We're going to do ethics. We're going to put it on a burger. It's going to be great. All right. Do ethics better than anyone else? Nobody does ethics better than me, okay? Because I do them big. I do them really big. No fake news here, Carrie. Okay? We bring Carrie on, and he talks about burgers, and he talks about he talks about the fries, but he doesn't eat the fries. To be honest with you, he throws the fries out. Doesn't tell anybody though. They call him Sleepy Carrie. He's just eating two burgers, no golden arches. Hey, you know, on that note, whenever you hear uh, us go off the rails for that long, you know that it's the end of the conversation, at least for the day. Yes. Uh, as far as our stamina and for that day is going to stuck it out this long. We're sorry. You probably knew what was going to be at the end. Yeah. Yeah. At this point, the only entity listening is AI. Yeah. That's right. And Donald Trump. <laughs> He's like, he was a little off there, okay? He was, a li- he was a little off. He was just, it wasn't quite right, okay? He lacks a little bit of punch. <laughs> <laughs> like we say every time and we really do mean it uh, we do love you guys you are a fantastic audience and we'll catch you next time you've been listening to Shaco Art Speak a production of Shaco Art Space we are an independent non-profit art gallery in Richmond, Virginia we can be found online at shacoartspace.com and in real life in historic Shaco Bottom